is up. It's the rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Monday, November 15th. You know we're in the middle of November when Daryl Williams, Ramondre Stevenson, and A.J. Dillon are the top three scoring running backs for the week. Yep, we've reached that time of the season. The rubber has met the road. Running back turnover is happening right before our eyes, and it is time to uh, dive into what we saw there yesterday Hey, man, the playoffs are approaching for fantasy, by the way. We're a month out now in week 11 when that technically starts. I realize it's not until tomorrow, but regardless, let's get into it. First game on my list, Atlanta and Dallas. And and I guess I should just say Dallas because Atlanta kind of didn't show up at all in this one. And it didn't help the cause that Cordero Patterson uh, suffered what looks to be a high ankle sprain. Now, it's Hopefully it's a mild high ankle, and that's usually about a, well, it's a one to three, but yeah, I would say two-week absence, so just when we thought we had something there. I mean, we've had plenty with Cordero Patterson, uh, but Matt Ryan, how about that? I literally had people texting me like, how is this even possible, this stat line that he put up? He was a negative in a bunch of leagues, which is kind of crazy, especially after last week where he was solid. Uh, but by the way, uh, if Cordero Patterson misses time, it was actually Wayne Gallman who got the work. Wayne Gallman had 15 carries for 55 yards, caught a ball for 21 yards. I mean, not good, but eye-opening with the uh, Mike Davis there. Obviously, nothing else doing here. On the other side, it was a lot of C.D. Lamb early. Now, he did get dinged up in this one, uh, so we'll have to see where he is ultimately this week. I don't anticipate anything serious here. But anytime players get dinged up, we do have to at least keep an eye on it. Uh, but CD was a monster, one of the better fantasy plays of the week. And, of course, that correlated to a pretty solid day here for Dak Prescott. Kind of back to where we had hoped we were going to be with him all along. Right now, he's the number two fantasy scorer for the week at the position. 296-2, and two, but he does rush for a touchdown as well, uh, putting his, his lowering, lowering that shoulder and getting in the end zone. Zeke puts up two scores, has three goal line carries, converts two of them for scores. Number 10 fantasy running back for the week, so a solid day for him, even though the he wasn't particularly effective on the ground. Neither was Pollard, but for what it's worth, six catches in this game for 56 yards. So if you used him, I don't think you hate that one uh, too much right there. Overall, oh, and Dalton Schultz, you know, when you have that extra mouth out there to feed, this was my concern. Michael Gallup, three catches for 42 yards on five targets. It did take some of the wind out of the sails here for Dalton Schultz. So that is something to be aware of going forward for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Moving on to our next contest, Jacksonville and Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor is an absolute monster, and that continued in this contest. Taylor going 21 for 116 and a score. Caught six balls as well. Only 10 yards on those, but I don't care. I'll take the six PPR points all day long. Uh, Michael Michael Pittman, I mean, 5 for 71 is solid. It's not a good fantasy day, but I'm not really going to be too concerned with that. Carson Wentz comes back to earth. Jacksonville can play, man. They're 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 showing a lot of fight, but uh, no passing scores for Wentz. Not a particularly strong outing. On the Jacksonville side, of course, we did have James Robinson back on the field, uh, which was, I, I guess, a sigh of relief. Overall, pretty solid day for him, too, all things considered. Goes out 12 for 57, eh, but scores a touchdown, adds 4 for 27. 
that's going to be a top 15. Right now it's top 12. Maybe it ends up staying there, but we'll see. Dan Arnold continues to be pretty productive. Five catches for 67 on seven targets. And somehow Jamal Agnew, he had no catches in this game, by the way. None. He had five targets, no catches, but he rips off that long run because he's a punt returner. Three for 79. Talk about unsustainable production right there. Uh, Otherwise, not much to report from this game. Uh, Next game on the list, Buffalo and the Jets. I am actually kind of happy that this Mike White thing isn't going to continue to happen because I haven't really bought into the narrative that he was so good uh, earlier in the season. I think he showed what he is. He's a backup quarterback, and that's fine. The world needs backup quarterbacks. Of course, Elijah Moore predictably did come back to earth, but then scored a touchdown in garbage time from Flacco. So three for 44 and a score. It was clear it was Corey Davis as the lead lead guy. Five for 93 for Davis back on the field. He still has pretty solid wide receiver three value. Michael Carter, 16 for 39. Ugh, but scores a touchdown. Adds four for 43. That's a top 15 week right there uh, for Michael Carter. On the Buffalo side, just as we drew it up, right? Matt Breda. Like, seriously, he gets in the end zone. The good news is at least Singletary and Moss both got in the end zone as well. But not much run against this Jets defense. You expected him to run all over. Seven attempts for Moss, seven for Singletary, three for Breda. And by the way, Breda scored as a receiver as well. Uh, the answer is no. He played eight snaps. The dude had... 20 fantasy points in eight snaps. That's not sustainable. I thought Josh Allen looked pretty good here, even though the fantasy numbers weren't electric. Uh, He's still going to be a top five for the week, so it's exactly what you wanted after last week. 366-2. and Didn't do anything on the ground because he didn't have to, but he did connect a ton with Stephon Diggs. Eight for 162 and a score. Gabriel Davis getting in the box score as well with 100 yards. 105 to be precise on three catches. Not much sustainable there either. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk the Lions and the Steelers. So it was the week of uh, goose eggs at tight end because we got one, unfortunately, out of TJ Hawkinson in this one. We also saw Mike Gesicki do it. I'm not freaking out because, really, DeAndre Swift was the only player who touched the ball in this game for the Lions. He touched it 36 times. So there is that, at least, that's encouraging the volume. But otherwise, it was a bit of a mess of a game. Surprisingly, though, the Lions were in it the whole time. Uh, but, you know, is what it is. On the Steelers' side, Najee Harris touching the ball a ton as well. He touched the ball 30 times, went for 105 on the ground, 4 for 28 as a receiver. Not massive, but good enough. You know, more than enough. Uh, 13 targets for Deontay Johnson. That we expected 12 targets for Ray Ray McLeod. That we didn't expect, but that is what we got in this one with no Chase Claypool. Ray Ray McLeod, 9 for 63. He scored as many fantasy points as Deontay Johnson did. I don't know how much that's going to stick week over week. But anyway, Pat Fryermuth uh, did have nine targets. So even with Mason Rudolph, 5 for 31. Not great, but not terrible. If you started him, I think you can get away with that. Moving on to Tampa and Washington. Washington plays Tampa tough. I kept noting that they played them tough in the playoffs last year. Well, they played them tough this week as well. And thankfully, you know, bad narratives, false narratives really annoy me. You know, the echo chamber of fantasy football annoys me that uh, when one person thinks something, everybody thinks something. You know, the Dave Matthews band effect, it annoys me. And that happened here with Antonio Gibson. I don't know who started the rumor. Maybe it was the beat. 
that he would be shut down. But what, the problem with stuff like that is, you know, hey, I can see through it. I get it. I do this for a living. But a lot of people, like you might be listening to this right now and you hear that and you may not be able to see through that for what it is. It's just a rumor. You might legitimately think there's some truth to it. And then that can cause you to make bad decisions. And I'm, hey, I'm all about good decisions, especially when it comes to fantasy football. Washington gave him 26 touches. And he played well against arguably the leagues. Well, maybe they're not the best run defense this year, but they're up there. I would say New Orleans right now would be my choice. But regardless, uh, 24 for 64 and two scores, eight red zone carries, four goal line carries, obviously converted two of those for scores, two for 14 as a receiver. If we thought they were going to shut him down, would they feed him 26 touches? No, coming out of the bye, had the rest, looked really good in the process. Uh, McScorin, not a huge game, 6 for 59, but, you know, good enough. You know, again, I, I know that pisses people off and they're like, well, good enough doesn't win me my fantasy matchups. I would rather see 6 for 59 than 1 for 12 on one target. You know, he had eight targets. It's not terrible. On the Tampa side... Uh, well, you had Chris Godwin gutting this out. He ends up going seven for 57, which again, all things considered, isn't terrible. Mike Evans was quiet through most of this contest, but he caught a long touchdown, so that's all that really mattered. He went three for 62 in the score, which is a top 20 week for fantasy. A lot of Leonard Fournette, a little bit of Giovanni Bernard. We had two shots at like our random Giovanni Bernard touchdown, but we didn't get him. And pretty much no Ronald Jones. Uh, the Ronald Jones thing, if you are holding on to him, he is just a cuff. That's it right now in that backfield. Uh, better days will be ahead for Tom Brady, too, by the way. Carolina and Arizona. Cam is back. And somehow he managed to outscore P.J. Walker while only playing nine snaps, 66 for P.J. Walker. It'll be Cam's job next week. He rushes for a score. He throws for a score. It isn't always pretty, but you know what? Cam Newton can be a QB2+. And he does have decent weapons, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and, of course, some guy named Christian McCaffrey, who was a little dinged up here. Hopefully he escapes this. It's nothing major. They were being cautious. They won a game that uh, not many gave him a chance to win, so that was encouraging there. This team has playoff aspirations, no doubt about it, especially with their defense. So McCaffrey's going to be a big part of that, but he was still phenomenal regardless. 13 for 95 on the ground, excellent. 10 catches for 66 yards, also excellent. On the Arizona side, well, no Kyler. I can almost guarantee that Kyler will be back next week because Colt McCoy was dinged up in uh, this game. So if you have Kyler, the wait will be over next week. Uh, You had no Hopkins here, so it was really just Christian Kirk. 7 for 67 on eight targets, Rondale Moore did manage to play. He had two catches. A.J. Green had a catch. Zach Ertz had four catches. It wasn't really special. And we didn't get a ton of James Conner because the game script was was terrible. So James Conner just an RB2. If you started him, yes, could have been a whole lot worse. He only had 13 touches, but he did at least find the end zone as a runner. Better days will be ahead for him, and I don't expect Chase Edmonds back anytime soon. Minnesota and the Chargers on the Minnesota side. Dalvin Cook ran hard. Uh, He went 24 for 94 and a score three for 24 as a receiver. That's a top 10 week right there. We'll see what happens. I have no idea what happens off the field for him going forward here. But just have a backup plan in place. Nine for 143 for Jefferson. He was getting open at will in this one. 
Five for 65 for Adam Thielen. Uh, Tyler Conklin's going to look good when you go to waivers tomorrow. But keep in mind, he had three catches. Three for 11. He had the two touchdowns, so he looks good. But let's not read too much into that one. On the Chargers side... Larry Roundtree got in the end zone, jumping over the line for a touchdown, uh, and that put a damper on things for Austin Eckler. That touchdown would have salvaged a pretty good day. He ends up going 11 for 44 and then 3 for 15 as a receiver and did have a touchdown there. But, you know, 18th, I guess it's fine. If he has that touchdown, he's a top 10 guy, the goal line touchdown, but they gave it to Roundtree anyway. uh, Keenan now another heavy volume day for him. He goes 8 for 98. Mike Williams obviously has faded in terms of his overall involvement in the offense. Not that he was ever the top dog anyway. He was outscoring Allen for fantasy, but Allen has been basically out-targeting him every step of the way. Williams is still a volatile wide receiver too, and here we go. There was the volatility there. It was a a good setup for him, but ultimately didn't come through, unfortunately. A little bit of frustrations there, and maybe some frustrations if you have Justin Herbert. Just know that's a roller coaster ride. Philadelphia and Dallas, I'm really happy to see this midseason breakout for Devontae Smith. I had somebody questioning my rank. Somebody questions my rankings every week. Bro, seriously. Can you possibly explain to us why you might have this player rank? Dude, seriously. I honestly I wrote their names on index cards. I stood at the top of the steps. I threw the index cards down the steps and I ranked the guys highest who made it furthest down the steps. What do you think? Like, there's no thought process involved. Can you tell I've been asked that question? Would you possibly be able to shed some light? And it's always in, like, a very condescending way. Like, there's no nice way of doing it, or nobody ever does it in a nice way. Anyway, it was like, why do you keep ranking him so high? Because he's really freaking good. That's why. And that touchdown was a thing of beauty. Now, only six targets. Caught four for 66, but two touchdowns being looked at in the end zone. Both were end zone targets. Jalen Hurts loves him. It's a great setup, and and Smith is surging. Dallas Goddard was concussed in this one, left the game relatively early, if you were wondering why the numbers weren't good and you didn't watch it. Uh, We did see a split still in the backfield between Jordan Howard and Boston Scott. I thought we would have seen more of Howard, but you know what? Scott played pretty good. Scott ends up outscoring Howard 2 for 24 as a receiver, 11 for 81. 11 for 81 is nice. And then 12 for 83 for Jordan Howard. They were able to run all over this defense, which was a little bit surprising. Denver had been relatively tough on the run earlier in the season. On the Denver side of things, Javante Williams had a touchdown called back. Melvin Gordon, of course, scores a touchdown. So he continues to outscore Javante Williams for fantasy purposes, and I still think Williams continues to look better than him. Jerry Judy, nine targets, only three for Cortland Sutton. Sutton's value has faded. He's a risk-reward wide receiver three at best right now. And hey, uh, Noah Fant back in the mix, five for 59. Not bad this week, given how tight ends scored. So I'll take it. Uh, Seattle, Green Bay. Okay, so the big news on the Green Bay front, I'll start there. We do have an injury to Aaron Jones, but fortunately, the MRI has revealed that it is a mild MCL sprain, so it's a one- to two-week absence. He had this very same injury, like a mild MCL, back and I believe it was 2017. It was 2017 or 2018. Either way, uh, he missed two games. So that would be my expectation. So where initially looked like A.J. Dillon was going to be a league winner, 
He's going to be instead a couple week plug and play as an RB1. Let's be clear about that. I'm not going to spend all my fab, but I could spend a good chunk of it because let's face it, we have four weeks left in the fantasy regular season. We need these wins right now. Dylan goes 21 for 66. Not great, but when you score two touchdowns, who cares? Adds two for 62 as a receiver. And there really wasn't much doing in this game, in the passing game, just because of the conditions. So seven for 78 for Devontae Adams, actually not bad. Really, seriously, not bad at all. Otherwise, I mean, it was a brutal game on the Seattle side. I'm not going to take much away from it. Russ is coming off a hand injury and plays in bad weather. I mean, what what do you really want here? Uh, DK Metcalf was ejected from the game and tried to like almost like sneak his way back in or whatever. So he's, he's not going to get suspended for that if that's what you were worried about. It looks like it'll be a, a fine um, and whatever as far as I'm concerned. And I don't think this Gerald Everett breakout is sustainable. So let's just monitor him because he had eight for 63, which is a big tight end line. Let's just monitor him. And if we see the volume continue, then that's when we will uh, will pounce on that. Uh, it's got to be two weeks in a row for me, though. Raiders, Kansas City. Let's start on the Raiders side. Hunter Renfro continues to be the top target. Nine targets. He caught seven for 46 and a touchdown. That's good enough for a top 10 week as of right now. Darren Waller, a down week, but remember, he plays tight end, so that happens. Josh Jacobs continues to be the lead back. 12 touches for him, 6 for Kenyon Drake. Not really effective in either place. But the big one here, I, I think, really is the Brian Edwards. You know, you get, you get the bigger play upside with him. I think he's got a very similar profile, now that I look at the numbers, to Donovan Peoples-Jones, where... He is capable of making big plays, but the volume probably isn't going to be there, so there's a lot of volatility. So keep that in mind. He went 3 for 88 and a score, only four targets. If you were worried about the Kansas City offense, I think you now have a good reason to not be. (laughs) After all of that last night, Mahomes with a signature performance, five passing scores. He throws for 406 yards, was excellent in this contest. Excellent. You had two touchdowns to Tyreek Hill. You had a touchdown to Byron Pringle. You had a huge game, and I'm going to talk about Daryl Williams in a sec. You, of course, had a Noah Gray touchdown, because why not? Why not? Spread the love around, Mahomes. Spread it around. The key here, take the long view with these players. I know there were some who were losing their minds. They even had people saying that they were able to acquire Patrick Mahomes for Kirk Cousins. That should not happen. That panic... It overlooks the fact that he's an incredible quarterback. And, and you know, the other side of things, too, when people were trying to say, like, Mike White, the legend, he played one game in his receiver, or, like, one good game, and his receivers did a lot of the work for him. So, you know, like, let's take things and maybe not overreact to one game, or even in Mahomes' case, a couple games. He's still Patrick freaking Mahomes, and I love the performance. Now, let's talk about Daryl Williams because he, as of right now, by my scoring here, is the number one fantasy running back for the week, just like we drew it up. He only goes 11 for 43 on the ground. They did use a little bit of Derek Gore here, 6 for 19, but Williams had nine catches for 101 yards and a score. That's going to do it right there. That'll do. The problem. Just breaking before I record hit record on this podcast, it does look like... Clyde Edwards-Alaire will be back 
that will completely sap all of the value from Daryl Williams. Don't create conspiracy theories. Don't try and convince yourself that, oh no, Daryl Williams is going to take over the job because you know what? He isn't. It's still Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and then Daryl Williams, and it's going to probably be annoying. <laughs> it probably is going to be a committee, which is what we love, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire on the right side of it. Like the 60-40 split, 65-35 split, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting the 60 or 65%. So there you go. That is the week that was. Of course, we have Monday Night Football coming up tonight, and tomorrow we're going to break down this waiver wire. It's going to be a very interesting one. In the meantime, head on over to ftnfantasy.com for all the goods over there, including rankings and projections and articles and all the fun stuff. And, of course, ftnbets.com for all that betting information. Except for last night's NBA performance because it wasn't very good from yours truly. But there's more games tonight. That's the beauty to the NBA. Anyway, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of The Pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out. I'm out.